Welcome to the Birth Uprising podcast with me, Jade. And me, Alex. We're two birth experts who aren't afraid to say it how it is. Join us weekly where we will discuss everything pregnancy, birth and postnatal. We'll be joined by special guests with all sorts of expertise. So be ready to get informed, get knowledgeable and realise how fucking amazing you truly are. Um, we are just sat the day before in our office, which is newly moved around. Um, if you've been following uh, the old life of Jade and Alex for a while, what you'll realise is every now and again, quite often, um, we get a bit uninspired. And the way in which we become inspired again, it just moves stuff, moves shit around. And if you are anything like us, your houses are probably moved around on, on the regular. Yep. That's the ADHD in us. Uh, we we must have newness. Um, we were considering, you know, do we need a new office? And it turns out we just needed a new layout. Um, and do you know what I realised? This is far healthier for our hair than constant new hairstyles. Yes. So fuck it. Yeah, we might put our back out, move in oh the furniture. God, yeah. <laughs> I did do that. But we're not bleaching the fuck out of our hair. Yeah. So. Yeah, I never. Yeah, you and also if you've bought our digital pack, which if you haven't and you're pregnant, you should because it's basically this, but you get to see us, which is wonderful, and um, you will see our hair ever changing, mainly mine, um, at that point, but. Yeah, I think my whole life I've changed my hair regularly and because I didn't have a house to move around or an office to That's be in it, charge yeah. of. You know, when you're 13, mm-hmm. all you can do is buy one of those little wash-in, wash-out sachets. <laughs> you know, Ow. progressing to mental bleach yeah. by the time you're sort of 16, To the 17. point where you nearly have to shave all your hair off because it's basically candy floss. Well, that was 18. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Not shave your hair. I went into into the bathroom and cut my hair off the um, back of that bullet from my Valentine video where she's got short hair. I literally saw that video and was like, (laughs) I need that hair. So 2am, went in my friend's little tiny under the stairs toilet and just chopped my hair off with some kitchen scissors. Oh, oh, so It was fine. (laughs) See, nowadays, I... She didn't get laid for a year, but it was fun. (laughs) No one to fuck up. Um, but no, I wouldn't even want to trim my hair myself. No. And back then, I'm fucking hacking it all off. Yeah. Isn't that funny when you yeah. get like more kind of fearful as you grow older and things like that? The fear as you get older is with everything, though, isn't it? Like certain stuff. Like, don't you think like physical fear of doing stuff? Like, I find like I've had driving lessons as like a proper grown up, and <laughs> I feel. Are you like, proper grown up? Uh, well, no. Some they say. <laughs> But when I had lessons at 17, like, Just fuck it, I was it. speeding, I didn't give a fuck if my car would fit through that gap, whereas as like a proper adult, it's like, oh god, but my kids, oh no! Um, Even little things, like, so Bowie's doing gymnastics at the moment, and she came home, she was like, I've got to practice doing my cartwheels, I'm not sure how to do them, I was like, I can do cartwheels, I, I can't do cartwheels, listeners. You do half a cartwheel, and you're like, fucking hell, I might break my neck! I look absolutely ridiculous. I was like, look, you just need this on your legs, go, yeah. And Rudy was going... Mummy, your legs are not in the air. I was like, they are. He was like, they're not. They're not in the air. Um, so apparently they're not. I can't even do a crab anymore, apparently. No, no, I can't. Um, I'm too scared I'll put my back I think um, once I'm outside, I might be all right. I think yeah. I'm more fearful. I'm legs. very long. <laughs> you may not realise this. I am a six-foot girl, and my most of my six-foot is legs. I am all legs. Alex is all body. So I am a tree. Alex is <laughs> a weasel. If you were to cut us in half and switch us over, we'd be one very tall person and, <laughs> and one, one very regular small one person. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, but yeah, like you get physically fearful, but actually, mm. I feel like I'm more up for saying what I mean. Yeah. Don't you think? Like in terms of like being argumentative and stuff like that, you get a bit more fearless as you grow older. I think. I think as well. That's uh, especially those of us that are women. Because we become more ignored by society as we get older, we kind of give less of a shit about being like, what's the word, palpable? Like, liked. Liked yeah. at all. Like, you know, <laughs> no, we don't, I mean, you're not, you don't, you don't fancy us anyway. Nobody's beeping at me in a car anymore, which oh. is ever so upsetting. <laughs> I love a little bit of catcalling, personally. I'm going to be the one to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
out of my self-esteem and it's not happened in a very long time um, i was talking to des about this the other day like how like my time is over yeah now. and he was like oh don't don't be like that and i was like no like it's sadly fine. unfortunately like our time for that starts at like 12 yeah, which yeah. is sick gross and then by the time we're 25 we're all news like yeah, there's yeah. new like there's new people to be children yeah, to, to, be uh, to be fat yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, and it, isn't it quite nice? You feel like you've kind of got a bit more privacy as you walk down the street and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but also, it's not as exciting. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Personally, it's the only time anyone's complimenting me nowadays. You're not getting that <laughs> mental boost. I was saying to Des, like, the only people who still do it now are, like, you know, that, like, piss head on the street. Yeah, he's, got, yeah. he's got a can of special brew. And he can't and see from <laughs> Yeah. And he's there, like, you're all right, lovely. And you're like, oh, thanks. Thank you. Oh, I feel good about myself today. <laughs> Old piss said Dave, he said I'm nice. No. Not bad. But yeah, um, other than, you know, whatever we were just saying, <laughs> we have actually been really hard at work with our um, other business. So we also run a training school for people who want to be birth workers. So who want to become hypnobirthing instructors, hypnobirthing practitioners, uh, people who want to become doulas. And we currently have a scholarship running. Now, we love to run a scholarship because we want people from all walks of life to be able to do this because then that serves people from different walks of life as well. Um I started off as a povo. Yes. Do you know why you can't afford a hypnobirthing course? Because you're a povo. Because you're a povo. (laughs) (laughs) So if you are also a povo and fancy, um, (laughs) if you don't understand that reference, we'll... Follow Shabazz says. Yeah, very good. Um, (laughs) Want to be a hypnobirthing instructor? Well, you can't because you're poor. (laughs) Anyway, if that's you, we want to help you. So you are very welcome to go to www.tbuacademy.com and fill in the scholarship application and come and potentially train with us for fuck all yeah if you're a povo if you're a povo um do it because it really is an amazing opportunity to start a career in something you actually give a flying fuck about like if you're sat there doing admin and you're thinking god i'm fed up of going and getting the tea for my boss who's got legs of his own where he could go and fucking get some tea then come and join us because we are here changing the world one birth at a time and you can also be doing that it's really rewarding and you can actually make a living out of it you can and you can get to join our gang which is an amazing group of people Mm -hmm. very knowledgeable very supportive and it's a great substitute for friends it really is um and speaking of the gang, this week we spoke with one of them, the lovely Grace. Um, Grace is the postnatal dealer, the. Um, we speak all things postnatal. We talk about her new business and how that is going. In fact, it's not really a business, is it? It's a. It's like a, it's a non-profit. A non-profit. Yeah. So that is out there to support people in their fourth trimester, mm. and Grace talks about that in the podcast. Yeah. So. Enjoy our conversation with Grace this week. And yeah, much love. Hello. Hey, so we are here this week with the lovely Grace. Hi, Grace. How are you? Hello. I'm doing very well. Thank you. A bit cold, a bit chilly, but all right. Mm, Has the snow melted where you are yet? We have no snow in Devon. (gasps) You've not had snow? Not a single flake. We've had rain and wind. Jealous. Yeah. Snow's nice to look at, but it's really impractical. Right. right? I mean, horrible. Yeah, really impractical. Um, getting, taking children to school in the snow is not the one. I'm not happy about it. Um, so, yeah, we're shit at the snow, aren't we, us English? Yeah. Oh. Um, it's actually, shit- no, I was going to say Scottish as well, but actually the Scottish are quite good with the snow because they're used to it. Yeah, I do feel like I'm out of practice. Um, I I did mention on uh, the podcast last week about um, the first day of the snow, taking him in and him getting covered. Today, we were fucking, we nailed that. He was wearing two <laughs> pairs of socks. He had like snowy trousers on that are fleece lined. We had spare pairs of gloves. Like We were armed and ready today, but unfortunately, we were not prepared yesterday. Oh, well, I mean, we're never prepared for snow, so. No. Yeah. We are shit at it. We are. Really, really shit at the snow. Um, So we were really excited to get you on here, Grace, because what you do for postnatal people um, is amazing. And obviously you run your postnatal academy Mm -hmm. as well, and you've got a lot of kind of 
what's the right phrasing for it? I was going to say a lot of balls, but we're going to go with that because that's what I thought and that's what we're going to go with. <laughs> um, and you do, you do do quite a few different kind of things. So it's really exciting to get you on here to talk about it because you are, I would say, an expert in the postnatal. Thank you. I have my fingers <laughs> in many pies. Should we go with that analogy? That's, the, that's what I that's want. That's a bit better than no, having I feel balls. like you've got a lot of balls. Yeah, that's maybe not <laughs> quite so flattering. <laughs> Amazing. So tell the listener what you do. Sure. So um, <laughs> I'm Grace. I am a postnatal doula and have been for about five years now. So um, for those who don't know, a doula is someone that supports a family, usually during kind of um, pregnancy, birth, labor and postpartum. But I specialize purely in postpartum um, and have been doing that for about five years. So I work with families in their homes in Devon, where I live, but also virtually through um, like WhatsApp support and things. Um, And that's the kind of main bit that I've been doing over the last five years but have just started um, a new social enterprise called the fourth trimester postpartum CIC shortening down to the fourth because we haven't got time to go through that every single time we want to talk about it <laughs> so it's the fourth and the fourth is a non-profit that essentially um, is going to be supporting families postpartum across the UK and also um, training people to be postpartum doulas themselves. So we're moving my training that I did last year, which is the academy that you mentioned, Jade. We're moving that into the fourth and incorporating Amazing. that into the social enterprise. So that's me. That's incredible. That's that's a lot. You've, ha- you've been doing a lot. Them bulls have been doing stuff. <laughs> they really have. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So who is the social enterprise kind of looking to support? Is that um, parents in general or uh, are you looking to support like more vulnerable parents or anything like that? Is there a kind of criteria? So we say on our website that it's for anyone, anyone that's postpartum. So um, really it's for postpartum people in whatever shape, size, place that they are where they are who they love etc we support them in their postpartum because um we think that postpartum is the forgotten part of having a baby and being pregnant um and so we want to make sure that we can provide support for everyone so because we're a non non-profit it means we can offer reduced or free access to support services and as we develop the fourth there will be a number of ways in which people can kind of get postpartum support that they want but initially we're starting with some weekly postpartum support groups in Devon so I live um, in Newton Abbott in Devon and we'll be doing some weekly postpartum groups in Devon to get us going. Lovely I'm so excited to see how that goes and you know uh, is it the sort of thing where like you are looking in the future for like fundraising and things like that so that you can help to support more families that's right yeah so we have actually just got our first grant funding so um we have had some funding to set up this weekly group so they're going to help us pay for venue hire and tea coffee and biscuits and cake and all the important things um absolutely yeah exactly because everybody needs coffee definitely coffee postpartum (laughs) but also delicious cake um yeah so Mm -hmm. we we will definitely be getting bigger grant funding and things as we grow Mm -hmm. and we discover what the needs are of postpartum people and how they need that support we're going to then respond to that and apply for grant funding so that we can create services that are fit for purpose that's incredible grace like we know how hard it is for to get grants and do grant like that must have taken a lot of work so the fact that you've got that is just amazing like it shows that what you are doing must be making such a difference and is really you know something that is needed in the area yeah for sure I mean in my area that I'm in in Devon there's one breastfeeding support group and it's kind of in Dartmoor in the back of beyond and there's nothing really in this area and so there's definitely where I am there's a, a gap but yeah I think just in general for postpartum there's so much more that can be done to support postpartum people and families and all those other people that support um, postpartum people so yeah watch this space for sure 
before we get kind of into the nitty gritty, because I've got so many things I want to ask you about like postnatal surf and kind of, you know, your what you think people should do and kind of how people should plan. We need to ask you some of the, the most important questions you will ever be asked in your entire mm-hmm. life. Um, and, it, you know, we just need to get it out of the way so we can take all them nerves about your answer because you will be judged. Um, there's a lot of judgment that's going to happen it's here. Okay. Grace, so I'm, I'm, very I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I'm ready. <laughs> Question number one. In your dream, like birth scenario, Mm -hmm. you've given birth and afterwards, what is presented to you to eat? You can have anything from anywhere in the world. We're talking mains, sides, dessert, drink, whatever you want, anytime, any place, like we can bring it to you, not an issue. Okay. What would you have? So I am a huge fan of like Southeast Asian food. So my postpartum meal would be a feast. So there would be ramen, so like broth, noodles Mm. with those squidgy rice cakes that you get in it. There'd be like deep fried tofu as well that I absolutely love. Some dumplings. There'd be all sorts. Um, And so that would be like my main. And my side would be like edamame, you know, those soya beans. Yeah. Yes, please. Um, I'd have those. And then pudding, I'm going to go for um, a banoffee pie. It was really close between banoffee pie or sticky toffee pudding because that's also Mm. up there on my list. So that would be my pudding. And then drinks wise, I really love coffee. So it'd have to be like a great Americano or... Where's it coming from? Say that again? Where's it coming from? Where's this Americano coming from? Oh, that's a really good question because we have a great <laughs> coffee machine at home. It's not an espresso one. It's like a drip filter and that does the best. So I'd have one of the drip filters from the yeah. kitchen <laughs> in yeah. my house. Good. Um, and then a cold <laughs> drink, I'd have a lilt. I'd resurrect lilt because it's not being called lilt anymore, is it? Is it not? Oh, yeah, they're moving it over to tango. It's going to be tango like pineapple and grapefruit or something now. I can't. Oh, well, you've heard it all here. You've heard it here first, folks. I can't believe yeah. you didn't know that. Yes, yeah, so I'd resurrect that. Lilt and have that. Wow. Nice. Okay. That is a good meal. That is. So that in... seems like a really, like, nutritious mm. kind of meal, doesn't it? Like, you can tell you're, you know about the postnatal period. You know <laughs> what folk want. I'm also just incredibly greedy and would just have the biggest bowl of noodles and like that I could eat. So uh, it's not all pious like and necessary. healthy. <laughs> so in reality, what 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 were your actual meals after birth? What was it? What did you have? Okay, so I've had three births, uh, one yeah. hospital, two home births. So the hospital birth was first. I had standard NHS tea and toast. Which was okay, shit. but yeah, it was. It was all right, okay. It wasn't, you know how people like go on about NHS toast after birth and they're like, yes. oh my God, it was amazing. I wasn't like that. I was like, no. well, it's okay. Um, second time, um, uh, I had a chicken sandwich that I made my mum Yes, we're here for that. <laughs> <laughs> now the vegan in me now is like obviously horrified. <laughs> That I and also like like knowing what postpartum nutrition is like oh nice fresh healthy things and then I was like mum go get me a chicken sandwich um but I had a McDonald's Uh, and then the third time round I went back to toast but it was like really thick luxurious like seeded bread Mm. and it had loads of like spread and marmite on and I remember sitting in my living room on the sofa and they'd just done my stitches and I, uh, my husband brought it in and I remember just sitting there like, ah, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> like eating this ginormous slice of toast. <laughs> nice. I like that you went back to the toast, but you like upgraded yeah. it. Like this is the best toast. This isn't shitty NHS toast. This is toast of a different. Yeah, exactly. This is yeah. NHS toast. Yeah. If you're going to do tea and toast, you want like proper tea, none of this like non-branded comes in a big bag to the NHS shit. And you want like a sourdough vibe, you know, you want proper toast. Yeah. So yeah, not, not upset about it that. So we, we also we also did McDonald's after births. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah, McDonald's breakfast for me most recent time. Yeah, mine was a Big Mac because um, it was quite late at night and it was the only place that was open. But I, was, I love a McDonald's f- um, fry. Like the chips at McDonald's are just... They're good, aren't they? 
really good so very happy about that were you were you starving after birth i remember like every time i was so hungry after birth yeah i was the second two times first time i don't remember being that hungry but i feel like that was due to the shock of it all Mm -hmm. whereas the second and third time because i knew what was going on and i was a bit more like that was fun um i was like like getting me as quickly as possible yeah same same Same. um and so last question if you could give one bit of advice to someone that has newly found out they are pregnant what would it be and this can be uh pregnancy labor postnatal like what would you want them to know i would want them to know that they should prepare for postpartum just as much as they prepare for labor and birth yeah I mean, I could yeah. go on. I, there were loads of things I could have said. But that yeah, is my no, main. Great. That was my main thing. Is like prep your butt off because yeah, that's the bit that lasts the longest and has the most impact on your life. And like, yeah, it's so massively underprepared for. A lot of people just kind of stumble into it. And so my message is prep for postpartum as you would for birth and labour. Do you find people listen and take that advice? the poor no (laughs) (laughs) i don't think people do because i don't think it's until maybe second time that you really appreciate how hard it is because i don't think you you can understand it until you've been through it yeah like i was certainly like that like first time round, people would say to me or make sure and i'm like i'll be fine like that's just i will nothing will change i'll just have a baby yeah that is what my brain was like and i think that's a lot to do with the media and everything like that the way we're portrayed like you know we have babies and then we just carry on with our lives um and then it's not until you've done that and you're like well that was fucking difficult yeah next time i will think a little bit differently about it um that's exactly that i was gonna say it reflects the cultural societal lack of education information and kind of sharing of postpartum and what it actually is like Mm -hmm. because a lot of first-time parents just be like oh I'll just have a baby everything will be fine and we don't think about or you know they know that they're going to struggle with sleep perhaps or feeding or whatever it is but they don't think about what that means for them or what happens to their bodies and their emotions and their hormones their identity all of that and so yeah lots of people just go oh it'll be fine and then six seven weeks in kind of go oh shit right and the wheels are falling off and everything's going wrong and yeah that's when we uh, that's when I often get contacted is around that kind of seven week mark by people who are like we help we need some help (laughs) don't you think on the television like I've noticed it a lot since becoming a parent like you'll see people like their pregnancy and everything will be used as like a storyline and stuff and then they've had a baby and that was probably a really dramatic horrific time and then the baby's just not about they're you know they're they're back to their normal life they're you know hanging out with their friends and the baby's nowhere to be seen and it kind of leads you to believe that everything will just go back to normal like I don't know where the baby goes but I'm sure it'll all be sorted it'll be fine and actually you've pretty much always got this baby to cart around with you all the time yeah. including all their stuff yeah um, and and I yeah. agree or if they do show the baby afterwards the baby's just like an accessory like and, and it's just that they've got a baby and it's never that the focus is on the person who's given birth and kind of the transition to parenthood or you know what's happening to them um yeah absolutely it's completely forgotten about my it one is. of my very good friends calls um children life barnacles and I think that is a great description <laughs> especially in that fourth trimester they really are like a barnacle a limpet like yeah. they never remove themselves from you. <laughs> No, they really don't. So let's get into like the nitty gritty of it then, because like I said I don't think people properly prepare for postnatal. I don't think people think about it until they are in the the real depth of it. So what what is your advice to those people when it comes at somebody hires you as their postnatal doula? You teach people, you know, how to be postnatal doulas. What are the the main things you are telling parents that they should be doing beforehand? What they should expect? Because for me personally, I think if I'd have had better expectations of what new parent life was actually like, it would have meant that I wouldn't have had such bad postnatal depression because I felt like a failure mm-hmm. because I just had no idea, none whatsoever. Because I wasn't, I'd never been around a baby before. 
Yeah. And I mean, I can go on about this for hours and hours, so I'll try and keep it <laughs> short. No, please do. <laughs> or we'll go down many different tangents with this reply, <laughs> because once we get, once we start unpicking things yeah. about postpartum, you often go, oh, and this, and this, and this, and you mm-hmm. start realising that actually it's a humongous area that people can't possibly prepare for every single scenario but there are some core things that people can do in pregnancy to prepare for postpartum so um something that um a lot of postpartum doulas do is that they help their clients antenatally prepare for that postpartum by um, encouraging them to think about those first few days and weeks after birth about Mm -hmm. the environment that they want to be in um things like what do they want to eat what would be good for them to eat what makes them feel happy when they eat that's like you know makes them feel good about themselves what things are their non-negotiables that they absolutely have to keep to so for some people that's getting out on a walk others Mm -hmm. it's having alone time you know, it depends on that individual about what speaks to them and what makes them happy. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the other things that they can do is talk about um, kind of biologically normal infant behaviour, because I think, again, there's a massive gap between what we think newborn behaviour should be versus yes. what it actually is. There's like a cultural mm-hmm. norm of a baby that is separate, that settles themselves, that feeds every three hours and actually what the biological version of that is is completely different which is a baby that wants to be close wants to be held needs to feel warmth a heartbeat the smell of their parents a baby that will feed maybe every three hours but also might feed way more often than that and a baby that wakes at night that is absolutely normal for them to be waking at night and that actually sleeping very close in very close contact with their caregiver is perfectly normal in that fourth trimester um and so job in that kind of thinking about um postpartum preparation the antenatal space is kind of being informed about those biological norms for babies and also just as importantly what happens to the birther's body as well yeah because we you know some people don't even know that you bleed for weeks after birth and that comes as a surprise but um some people do and some people don't but some things that people definitely don't think about are the ginormous hormonal change that happens Mm -hmm. which is called the baby blues but is actually a really significant hormonal change so in the in a in a human's life the hormonal change that happens in postpartum is the biggest hormonal shift in the shortest amount of time in a person's life which don't I know it yeah exactly (laughs) which is like no wonder why (laughs) when someone gives birth they feel slightly discombobulated and like out of it or that they just feel these huge range of emotions because their body's going through this massive change as you know the levels of prolactin kind of rise for feeding and you know once the placenta's birth the other hormones take a drop and oxytocin comes in along with prolactin and things so it's just it's knowing about people's bodies but also things like um their identity and I talked about that earlier that you know it takes a while for people to settle into that rhythm of having Mm. a baby be it their first second third fourth however many each new baby brings with it a different facet of someone's identity as a parent and so I think giving time to kind of feel how you feel and honor that and acknowledge it and just kind of sit with it and explore it is really important as well and I think often society paints this picture um in a kind of heterosexually cis way of women having kind of losing their identity because to be a good mother you sacrifice yourself to give to your children and I think that's a really um patriarchal Mm-hmm. toxic image of parenthood and actually what is feminist is to acknowledge the bertha as much as the baby in postpartum yeah because we matter as well but yeah. we do i think we're made to feel like we don't matter we you know anything anymore should be just about the baby yeah. but actually to get i always think to to be the best parent you can you have to look after yourself as well because I can't be the best parent if I am feeling like total dog shit um and 
we're not taught that you're right and I think this is why what you do and the things like you know exactly what you just said is really important because we don't hear that enough like you know I can't remember ever hearing that when I was pregnant with my first and to be honest with you since then it's not something that's banded around like in a mainstream way especially yeah yeah exactly and the fact that um and this is kind of anecdotally is that I often find people when they become parents will sign themselves up to like baby massage baby yoga Mm -hmm. those sensory things to take their baby to but when they're asked to invest in themselves in terms of a postpartum physio a postpartum doula a lactation consultant like all these other things that will actually benefit them they're so much more hesitant to do that and I think it's because we're almost ingrained in us from as we grow up in this society that this work of postpartum is about the baby and it's yeah. a, it's not about the birther and my job and my mission is to like raise that as well so yes your baby is incredibly important and you need to know all the things about their biological development and how you can support them to thrive but you can't do that without learning to thrive yourself and knowing yeah. what you need to be well and happy and healthy and be able to give of yourself like you can't there's that saying you can't pour from an empty cup yeah and that is exactly yeah. it is that you know there's um there's the uh, phrase called postnatal depletion which was um created by uh an uh, an Australian doctor who um looked into this and kind of called it postnatal depletion after his wife gave birth because she just had a really rough time in post in her postpartum period and he realized that actually many women were coming to him for help because they got to a certain stage postpartum and just had nothing in the tank but it wasn't yeah. he wasn't a it you know they were struggling to know why and he kind of when he looked at it on mass he realized that actually um it was just depletion over a long period of time because those women were not investing in themselves in terms of their nutrition their health their yeah. wellness their happiness and so yeah um t- postnatal depletion I think is rife yeah I agree and I think part of the people where people don't invest in themselves I think part of that is a societal thing in the fact that you know baby massage and the sensory stuff you can take the picture when you're there Mm -hmm. and so you've done the thing that you do when you have a baby you take them somewhere and you take a picture but people don't talk about I went and did this it's very similar with birth as well like you get pregnant right I'll buy the baby's push chair that's important I'll buy shoes for the baby babies don't need shoes I'll buy um you know the, all the clothes for the baby that they'll probably never wear or shit on and then I'll have to throw away but trying to convince people that do some kind of antenatal education because that's for you it will help your baby sure but that is something for you it's really hard to get them to part with you know their hard-earned money for that but they will happily do it for something that is maybe a bit more like you know well of course you buy a push chair because that's what everybody does yeah. Um, and I, I imagine like postnatally, in fact, we know postnatally, it's exactly the same sort of thing. Like, you know, baby massage classes, baby swimming classes, all of these things are things that you see people doing. And if we could get people seeing other people talking more about going to what they call mummy, mummy MOTs. Mm-hmm. Is that what they're See, They're really good. And I've seen them being spoken about a little bit more. Yeah. But... People aren't um, talking about, you know, going and seeing breast um, feeding help and anything like that. They're only talking about them things that are within the media more. Yeah, exactly. And I think there is that kind of um, this cultural thing about, like, as you say, like giving yourself up for your baby, where people will, although it is showing that honesty and things like that, people do almost, they kind of um, put a lot into you know, not washing and things like that. You know, I haven't even had a chance to wash my hair. I've got sick in my hair and things like that. And that's, you know, that is true for the most part. But I will say as a parent third time round, my postpartum period with Silas was very much the one where I have done absolutely everything that he needs the most whilst also doing what I need the most. And that balance has just made it the loveliest time. I passed him over and went for a shower and that was non-negotiable because I wanted to feel all clean and refreshed and I was very happy then to 
just sit on the sofa and just snuggle him and feed him anytime. We barely left the house for like six, seven weeks. When we did, it was, you know, not any more than like a five minute walk. And I really feel like me feeling like I was taken care of and I was well rested made me such a good parent to him compared to with the other two where I was off into town like when they were a week old and stuff and yeah not getting my hair washed and feeling like gross and oh I've always got the baby on me and stuff it wasn't as lovely as it can be when you're also doing what you need and for me as well um you know I haven't got like hobbies and things like that but being (laughs) able to do a bit of work and stuff was actually what I needed I like that um being able to feel useful and feeling like I've got a purpose outside of that meant that I felt happier to be sat with a baby on my tit constantly that was totally (laughs) fine because I was also being useful in other ways and I felt clean and someone was bringing me food and stuff I love that Alex and you sum it up perfectly it's not that you can't have both together and it's not that by prioritizing yourself in that postpartum period you're then not able to give to your baby it's not that at all what it means is that you are purposeful in that postpartum period so you've thought about it and you create the support structure that you need for whatever you've decided you want to experience in that time which is where a lot of people kind of move away from their family um homes this is my story so we um myself and my husband are both from Wiltshire we now live in Devon and we moved to Devon and in the first year of moving to Devon we got married had a baby and bought a house so just a bit of a full-on like yeah some big Um, life events there some life events just some little tiddlers um (laughs) and we've basically had all of our three babies without family nearby and um I have to say it wasn't my second postpartum I had undiagnosed postnatal depression I basically didn't I did what we were talking about earlier which is just carried on and didn't think to put myself first I used to go to um I invested in a baby massage class of course um, for Florence my second and um the best bit about that weekly class was the half an hour at the end when the person who was running it went and made tea and coffee and got cake for everyone and we would just sit and talk that's why I went every week was for that half an hour Florence couldn't give a shit what we were doing like she was feeding asleep yeah Yeah, exactly she didn't care (laughs) but I was there every week because I clung on to the fact that I had half an hour every week where I could just be honest about how I was feeling and I'm no I'm not I'm not on my own with that story I know lots of people have that so third time around with Nell our third um like Alex I had I've had the best postpartum this time around because also I was a postnatal doula by then so I knew more and when you know more you can implement more right and you have the confidence to kind of go no no no, I'm important (laughs) I remember the midwife came around on like day three and then day five or something and I was still sat in the same chair that she'd seen when she came around on day three (laughs) and she actually said to me are you still there like it was a bad thing and I was like excuse me I thought you'd be celebrating the fact that I'm on our reclining sofa with my feet up feeding my baby not moving my butt like Mm -hmm. I was totally like I knew that for my mental health and overall well-being actually going slow and Mm -hmm. not and checking in with myself when I felt that I should be doing something and going okay should I really? Do I have to do that? Where's that coming yeah. from? Is it me that's feeling like that? Is it an expectation that I think people mm-hmm. have of me? In which case it can go in the bin. Like, yes. you know, and yeah, it's just, it is really tricky for people to navigate that time in their life, which is why if you don't have the support structure around you, having someone like a postnatal doula yeah. is a really great option for many people because a lot of the families that I work with have done what I did, which is move away from their family and find raising children without that kind of broader family network or community really challenging. Yeah, it's what they say, isn't it? It takes a village. And, you know, we have in this day and age lost our village. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not how it was meant to be. And that's something like I say to, you know, if I've had a friend that's had a baby and they're like, I'm really struggling, like I'm I'm a a shit mum. And I've had friends say that. I'm like, you're not. But what you 
unfortunately haven't got is what we were meant to have as humans we don't have that community anymore you weren't meant to be doing it all right now what you were meant to be doing is chilling out with a tit out feeding your baby like that's biologically what we were meant to be doing and everything else was meant to be taken care of by everyone else but because we've lost that we then have people having babies that are afterwards thinking that I'm not good at this I'm a shit mum I'm a shit this like it's not them it's the way in which our society has changed because of you know I mean, I'm going to go the Tories because I like to blame the Tories for everything. Everything. But, we'll yeah. just blame them for everything. Yeah, absolutely everything. It's fine. It was Boris Johnson's fault. Um, the Tories and the patriarchy. Yes, exactly. Um, but it's true. Like we, we, we've lost that. And I think a postnatal doula is something that is almost bringing that back, that matriarchal figure that we were meant mm-hmm. to have. Like, mm-hmm. especially if you're not near your family. Like, my mum's just down the road. But when I had Rudy, my first, I was living in London um, in a downstairs damp flat, like a basement flat. And I got no one around me. And I remember getting out, walking around Battersea and just thinking, "I, what have I done? Why have I done this? Like, I'm on my own. I've got this thing with me all the time that needs me, but I've never felt so lonely. And I wish that I was, like, the odd one out and that that barely happened. But that is a story that I hear, and I'm sure you do as well, Grace, from so many people. And it's sad because it's just not what we were meant to be. No, exactly. And also anger from Mm. them, quite rightly, that as a society we have failed to prepare them for this yeah the number of times I hear people being like why does nobody talk about this Mm -hmm. why is nobody talking about this why was I not prepared for it they feel stupid that they didn't think about those things it's like well it's not your fault if nobody was telling you that this is what postpartum should be like and kind of setting up our structure it's not your fault I often talk about the issues that we have are a kind of systemic kind of societal level and an individual level so like you know in the NHS postnatal care is called the Cinderella service because it's like you know the poor sister that is massively underfunded and obviously we know the NHS is you know crippled at the moment and thanks to the nh uh, the nhs thanks to the tories it will continue to go that way yeah bloody tories (laughs) it will continue to go that way so postpartum is going to continue to be the cinderella until we can properly kind of support people in their postpartum so yeah i don't i don't blame people for feeling cheated that they didn't know about it feeling angry but also mm. being like what the heck I also think it's like a it's a western cultural thing oh, it because is there are other cultures across the world where this transition into parenthood motherhood matrescence is honored and it is yeah. sacred and that those people who give birth are cared for who have already people around them that support them that feed them really fresh nutritious Mm. food that you know take care of the house that look after older siblings that you know look after the baby once the baby's fed and stuff you know that the baby gets taken away and and looked after by family or community you know it is a western issue that we have around the complete disconnect between oh pregnant oh you're gonna have a baby how lovely and Mm. then having to go through labor and birth where you know again there's a disconnect between the physiology the natural kind of element of it and what we've been told is what we should expect that we should just endure it Um, and exactly the same for postpartum there's a massive disconnect between what is biologically normal and what society just completely misinforms people about or just doesn't even bother to tell them about so that's my mission is like to talk about that and to shout about it how do you do that without I'm trying to think of the best way to word this and I'll get it wrong but then I'll I'll explain myself properly. How how do you talk to people about postpartum and the reality of it without scaring people? Because mm-hmm. what we find is that people come I wish I'd have been told how hard it was going to be. Okay. I wish I'd have been told how little sleep. However, when people are pregnant, if you go so the sleep's going to be really hard, they don't always want to hear it. It's like they go I don't I don't you're you're trying to scare me, you're trying to put me off. Yeah. Like, I'm not what how do you find the balance because it's the same with birth like you want to be realistic about birth and talk to people you want to tell them you know all the facts etc you want them to be able to feel that they can be informed um but you also don't want to give them too much that it's gonna you know scare them at any point and you also Mm -hmm. don't want to sugarcoat it like how how do you balance that line because it's a difficult one isn't it 
it's so tricky and I don't <laughs> think I have the magic formula Yet. I think there it's a dash of realism yeah of that it can be tricky but also reassuring people that that doesn't mean it's going to be tricky for them yeah that these are some of the scenarios that people experience but it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen to them and the way that they can support themselves and kind of thank you know that their future selves can thank them is by becoming informed of what the most likely common things are that happen in postpartum to their body to their hormones with their baby so that should something happen they can uh you know address it early on acknowledge it go and seek support etc it's like we want people to thrive after mm-hmm. birth, right? So I'm not here saying it's 100% dreadful. It absolutely isn't. It will be really tough if you don't have an understanding about it and everything's happening to you yeah. without a sense of what is happening and you have no control in that. The more that you can prepare for, understand and take control of the things that you can control in your postpartum, then I think the better you know the better that you will have that experience because even if it's tough you'll know that it's not you you're not broken this is a physiological process that you go through in postpartum and that it does get better and that there are things people organizations out there that can support you in those things as well I think one of the best things somebody said to me about postnatal and it might have even been Alex um, when I was pregnant with my second was everything's a phase and not just and that's not just the bad things like the good things as well it's a phase everything's changing it's ever changing and that for me when things were difficult was something I always held on to is this isn't forever and that helped me with the good moments as well because I almost helped me like soak up when they had that first smile and I'm like oh this isn't forever so I'm gonna love this and then when they're not sleeping and you know you've got mastitis frequent mastitis uh user here um do not recommend zero stars um (laughs) but when that's happening I'm like this isn't forever it's just a phase yeah and for me I think having just that little tiny bit of knowledge for me was just like revolutionary like knowledge truly is power and I think the more we know the better we do I mean with everything in life but especially with postnatal period I think so I mean I had a client um, once and a phrase that we would say quite regularly is this too shall pass exactly yeah. the same is that you know knowing that this is a temporary state or experience or whatever and that good or bad like you say it will pass and there'll be something else it will be different you'll have a new experience good or bad but that you know, you are in this huge transition and things can change very quickly and it's not always tough. It's not always amazing, but that you move forward and you progress and things will, you know, change is, I think, really powerful because otherwise you almost kind of spiral and you just think that this is never ending, that it will always be hard or, yeah, and I think that is a really good way to kind of focus your mind to be like, look, other other things are coming yeah and I think it is important as well like when we are saying it's the good things as well it's not like to put a dampener on things it's to also you know when someone has like oh my baby started napping really well they're sleeping well at night you must understand that this is a phase because otherwise you will go out of your mind when that child starts waking up again in the night or those naps are a bit more kind of fractured and they want you a bit more and just you feel like you're on top of things and then suddenly you introduce weaning and you're like fuck now we've got meals to prepare and all that like it is really important to know that all of it is ever changing and not to maybe get too much like right that's us sorted because that doesn't help you yeah and I love it how you put it Jade earlier as well around how saying this too shall pass or you know it's a phase is the good things is to allow you that moment to soak it in Mm -hmm. and to be present and to be mindful in that moment and kind of really yeah just lose yourself in that luscious oxytocin filled bubble like I remember with Nell my third one I'm pretty sure Nell's my last one. Never say never, but I'm pretty sure. Um, and, I can definitely um, say never. So that's quite fun. <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure, but you know, no, 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 I think, I think we're done. But I remember in her, with her postpartum with her, just sitting and kind of just looking at her for ages and talking to her and just really allowing myself to just get lost in that moment and really enjoying it. And no one will ever say that that's a bad thing to do, you know, that spending time connecting with your baby Mm. and kind of feeling that pull of oxytocin towards them and stuff. Like, it's just, yeah, it's amazing. Isn't it a shame, though, that with a lot of people, you don't get to really enjoy the postpartum until second time round, if if you decide to have a second one. Um, Some people, I'm sure, you know, if they've spent more time around babies and they're a lot more informed that first time round can still, you know, be lovely. But I always think you you first time around you experience it and sometimes you know it's not always the best of experiences but second time around you realize how quickly things pass and then you can really like take it in and like third time around with Riv like me and Riv still share a bed me and him he sleep in his double bed in his room um and every morning he wakes up and at the moment his thing is to put his mouth around my nose and go you KK you KK and it's really cute and I know he'll probably stop doing that in a few weeks so every time he does that I try and like take a mental picture and be like oh that was really cute like I love that and the whole night he's pretty much been up so it's not like I've had the best night in a full night's sleep but I'm trying to be like this will pass and this will also pass and the two things they can coexist together it's not one or the other and I think remembering that and appreciating that you know it can be really fucking shit sometimes and then five minutes later, it can be the most glorious moment of your life. And it really is like a seesaw being a parent of what have I done to myself? And oh, my God, I want seven more children. It is a trip. Yeah, it is an absolute trip. It really is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also sometimes some people's first postpartum experience isn't bad. Yeah. So mine wasn't bad. My first. I did a lot of the things of the shoulds, which going back, I would not do them. Um you know, I boggled. My couldn't work out why she didn't want to be put down oh, in a Moses basket yeah. at night and being like, this isn't why. She's broken. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, using formula because I thought it would help keep her asleep, asleep yeah. overnight and all of that. And like, I wouldn't necessarily do that again. I didn't do it again for my other two. Um, but it wasn't bad, yeah. you know. But my second postpartum, that was tricky yeah and it wasn't because I wasn't informed it was just because I had a baby who had completely different needs mm-hmm. than my first and it comp- I wasn't prepared for that I was like oh you can have another dreamy postpartum this is great and it wasn't and I think that's what triggered my mental health um issues was because again I hadn't really taken the time to think through that this is a completely different baby yeah who will feed in a completely different pattern who will have different yeah. needs and oh they're yeah, little fuckers like aren't they that. honestly yeah. like and this is the problem like Bowie my second oh she was a dream she fed I only had mastitis once with her she was smile all the time she was oh she was just the most beautiful like lovely baby and in myself I was like that's because that's because I know what I'm doing now. This is perfect. And then I had River, and River is honestly the devil reincarnated. Like that kid, both my other kids would never go into a cub and get anything. This one, you turn his back and he's fucking trying to eat a button battery. Like, honestly, he is an absolute different child. But he, Bowie had me fooled that it was going to be this most beautiful thing. And I'm very lucky that I knew what I did third time round because my husband's self-employed. I was basically like, you are my doula for the next however long, just to let you know. And I rested. My body felt quite broken after birth because he was a big, big baby and it wasn't the most easy of births. And so I rested and I did all this stuff. But had I have been less informed, if it had been first time round, I would have definitely ended up like at the bottom of yep. a mental health crisis. So that information, yep. it can ch- help change and I think you're right knowing that all babies are different if it's your second your third maybe you'll be really lucky and it'll just be exactly the same as all the other ones and that's fab but just prepare for different types of postpartum Mm -hmm. (laughs) just be conscious I think that's it it's just being aware and know what biological norms are Mm -hmm. and know that babies are different and to just kind of yeah let go of any resistance that you've got around just for a very short period of your life being completely (laughs) at the whim I was going to say of 
the baby that you're yeah. caring for because their needs you know they're born too soon um you know it's there's a thing it's called exogestation that actually babies complete their development outside of the womb because otherwise we won't be able to birth them it's crazy if we isn't it kept them it's something like 22 months or something like you wouldn't want to give no. birth to 22 no thank you no thank you yeah, <laughs> exactly so you know this exogestation is why babies are so dependent on their caregivers because yeah. They're born before they are kind of developmentally ready, really. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just mega important that people are informed and aware of those things. Yeah. And I don't think people really think about that. And then you can like, you know, <clears throat> one of the ways in which we often will describe to people is if you look at other mammals, when they are born, like you see a giraffe born, what does it do? It falls out, literally falls sometimes from quite a height. Um, it wobbles up and it walks. And our babies are useless. They yeah. are utterly rubbish, aren't they? Like the cutest little things, but they are so dependent. Um, and it's very lucky they are so cute because they do need so much from us. And I'm sure that is a uh, biological thing as well. Mm-hmm. Like you are cute so that I look after you because otherwise, yeah. whew, not as much. <laughs> That's why we like to sniff their head and things mm. because there's a hormonal change in our bodies once we sniff a baby's head. Yeah. And um, postpartum birthers, uh, postpartum people's brains change after birth. They change in ways that make them um, more able to love, love harder. So pr- get that bond with their baby. It makes them more able to learn new skills and adapt. But equally, it also makes them vulnerable to emotional highs and lows Mm -hmm. as well. And that's where I think a lot of the rawness around postpartum comes from is because literally your brain is changing after birth. So no wonder why people feel a bit all at sea and like they've lost the plot a bit because they don't feel like themselves. Well, yeah, you you don't because your brain's different. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's it's crackers isn't it that that happens and it's so I think just knowing that will help people because um, most people don't know that we you know we look like we physically change of course we do because we've housed a baby then we have gotten that baby out of us however that happens and so everything looks different but to know that mentally things have changed as well I think that's really really helpful for people because if you're feeling different if you're feeling out of sorts it's not because of something you've done it's not because you're doing something wrong it's literally just biology and that is your brain that's just it yeah it's just it is and it's out of your control and it doesn't mean that you're broken it just means that you're hardwired to change after birth and you can't you know you can't do much about no no yeah and it is quite incredible really um yeah what would i'm gonna put you on the spot here grace so what are your top tips? Like, what should people, whilst they are pregnant, how can they prepare? What are, like, your things that you would be, like, these are the must-haves? This is what you really, really should be doing. Yeah. Um, get a support network. So if you've got trusted friends, family, a doula, etc., get that support network and think through who's good at doing stuff. So if you know someone makes amazing meals... <laughs> ask them to make you some amazing meals. Mm-hmm. If you know someone that does amazing massages, ask them to give you a massage afterwards. Like if you know that someone's really good to talk to, make sure that they cut their popping around and like chatting with you. So get your support network up and sorted. Um, make sure that you are taken care of in terms of things like food. Food's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. I love food. Um, and I think the more that we can give ourselves delicious food that's fresh the better our bodies will feel the more that we're able to then have the energy that we want um in in terms of you know being a caregiver to our children um so definitely food for me is a big one and know what happens to your body and your baby after birth because once you understand what is normal or you know physiologically biologically normal after birth the more you can prepare for that and kind of understand it when people are telling you to put your baby down or that you're making a rod for your back or all of those crappy things that have no basis in evidence um and so you can kind of stand up for that the other thing is um like prioritize time on your own with your baby and Mm -hmm. your loved ones or your partner or whoever because 
a lot of people just throw the doors open and have visitors very very early on and whilst that can be lovely it can also interrupt a lot of things around kind Mm -hmm. of establishing feeding healing Mm -hmm. I remember with my first daughter my lovely dad came to visit and we went for a walk and I'd got a third degree tear that I had stitches in and I remember like wincing on the way home and like yeah limping back because I was just in so much pain I was like why oh my poor Fanny Uh, exactly exactly um because also other things like um the more you rest the more likely you are to heal quicker because your body is able to invest in itself and kind of um, rejuvenate and kind of heal whereas like when I went out for that walk and I came back I had a really heavy bleed afterwards Mm. and that's because my body wasn't able to rest and I paid the price for that you know of course yeah so those are some of the tips I could go on of course for a a long time one of the things we get asked quite a lot in our community group and I think this is probably helpful for somebody of your your stature I was going to say we'll go with that um to um to answer if somebody has got family who have saying like they'll be around as soon as they're home and that person does not want that to be the case we often get people being like I don't know how to say no like what do I do how do I do this like I don't they're just saying they're going to come my mother-in-law is really angry with me now my response is always they're just going to have to be angry and you're gonna you know Mm. if that is what you want they need to respect that but I understand it's not always that easy for people how do you how do you answer that question if someone asks you I'm sure you've been asked that before absolutely and it is a really tricky one especially if there is there are family members who have narcissistic tendencies Mm. who cannot think about someone else's well-being Mm. and wishes beyond their own um my thing is if someone's coming around and there is absolutely no hope of turning them away then bloody hell make them do stuff while they're there yeah make them take the older kids out make them tidy up do the laundry etc like and some people find it really useful to think of a list of chores and put them on the fridge or somewhere visible and so that if people come round, they can say do you mind or letting people know that you know we'll have visitors but if you're coming can you bring lunch or can you look at the chore list on the fridge and pick something and do that that would be really helpful um so it is family relationships especially can be really tricky lots of people have family members who respect and go do you know what I get it you need your Mm -hmm. own bubble um uh, with mine we had parents immediately after the birth which I was fine with but then we did kind of close the doors (laughs) for everyone else for a little while because we really just wanted time on our own and that's fine you basically do what works for you but it is really tricky sometimes when you have I say well-meaning I think they think they're well-meaning but they're not um who intrude and think that they have a right to be part of something that's actually very personal Mm -hmm. and private for the people and the family that have given birth yeah it's a it is definitely a question we get fairly regularly um yeah you know grandparents thinking that they have a right um not a real thing doesn't exist you have no rights other than what the parents want to give you um but it's super tricky for some people but it is just something that's so so common and I think you're right like if they're gonna come anyway but put it on the door you can only come in if you do some of these (laughs) like you can't pass this door but I think you've you've hit on the thing around like that generational difference. I think if we look at the generations before us, immediately before us, like, you know, a couple of generations, they will have just got on with it. Yeah. They won't have prioritized themselves. Yeah. They won't have been able to think holistically about what do I need? How do I prioritize myself? Because they were a part of the culture whereby they just got on with it and a lot of them go well I did it yeah. and it didn't hurt me and stuff and you're like well yeah. I'm not entirely sure yeah. <laughs> um in a nice way um and so I think you know they bring a lot of that uh misconception yeah. or just complete lack of understanding about postpartum and so that's what they bring with them is their judgment their value judgments about postpartum and you know there's a new generation of people who are going no 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 no. I am actually important Mm -hmm. as important as the baby and I need to prioritize myself along with my baby and I'm like get on all power to you like crack on (laughs) yeah yeah. absolutely I am I think that's brilliant and I think that's such a good way of looking at it 
I think that those people also, they come from a generation where um, they would perhaps parent in a different way as well. There might be different feeding choices. The recommendations would be different in regarding like weaning baby onto solids and sleep safety and things like that. And they're just yeah. like, why wouldn't you put that baby down? And oh, on my day, they slept on their stomach. And oh, why are you being so fussy about what they're having for their first food give them a jar at the eight weeks they'll be fine (laughs) and well there's these conversations to be had as well with people that can make people dread having visitors more than they would do if those visitors were perhaps a bit more clued up about how that person wanted to parent their child yeah exactly and I always say to people if you're visiting someone postpartum take food yeah take food for god's sakes don't take a nappy cake or a baby toy, or something like that. Take like a really good meal, some postpartum herbal bath salts, Mm -hmm. like take something that that person who's given birth will benefit from directly. The baby's fine. Yeah. It's the, it's the birther that we need to be worrying about and catering for. Take food. Yeah, absolutely. That baby doesn't need doesn't need anything. It's got everything it needs right there. Just if you could take something yummy for the person who is just had a baby that'd be quite appreciated yeah that'd be great would be nice where can people find you how can people work with you kind of what what's the jam there that's the jam jam? so if you want me as your doula either in devon or virtually in your pocket in your phone um you can um google the postnatal doula and my face should appear. Um, if you're interested in following the development of the nonprofit that we started, you can go to the fourth cic.co.uk and that's our website. And you can sign up to the mailing list and you'll get to hear Exciting. about all of the stuff that we're up to. Um, but you can find us all as well on Instagram. So it's the dot or the fourth CIC on Instagram amazing and if you are looking for a doula and you're in that area you should definitely postnatal doula go to grace um and i should imagine having you virtually in your pocket is amazing as well because i think if covid has taught us anything is that virtual connection with people can be really valuable yeah yeah i've virtually supported people and i think the power of whatsapp voice notes oh, and a facetime or a zoom call yeah yeah, doing your WhatsApps. Yeah, it's um, really, really, yeah, valuable. And it's good for people who perhaps don't need someone in their house, but they just need that reassurance mm. of reaching out to someone of like, hey, is this normal? Or having someone go, and how are you? Yeah. And kind of prioritizing them and kind of reminding them of the things that they wanted when they were pregnant yeah. about postpartum and kind of going, can you remember that we had that chat <laughs> and we'd said this, this and this? So, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Well, Go and find Grace because you are a wealth of knowledge and, you know, I think what you're doing is incredible and I'm excited to see what your non-profit does and see how that develops because that is really exciting. Yeah, I honestly, I'm so excited to get going with that. And thank you so much for inviting me on. Thank you for coming. It's been a pleasure. I'm sorry Alex is being quiet, but I feel like Silas is being very noisy. Yes, he unfortunately had a nap before this, so he's a very chatty patty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're very lucky in the fact that I don't mind the sound of my own voice. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Fine by me. Um, So it's been lovely to have you. Thank you very much, Grace. And yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. That's us for today. We hope you loved this episode. We'll be back next week with more birthy goodness. In the meantime, come and join us on the gram at The Birth Uprising, where we'll be prattling around and talking all things birthy. If you want more from us, then check out our digital pack at www.thebirthuprising.com. That would do.